Booty, the Fight Seriously podcast. Colorectal cancer patients are often faced with circumstances related to their disease that aren't openly discussed. In Tabuti, the Fight CRC podcast, we delve into those topics that are sometimes considered controversial, trending, or just plain interesting. Listen in as we talk to experts, patients, and caregivers who provide accurate, real, and practical information for cancer survivors. It's time for us to bring these issues to light. Listen in from anywhere, from your car to the chemo chair. To suggest a podcast topic, email answers at fightcrc.org. Welcome, everybody, to the Tabuti Podcast. My name is Sharon, and I'm part of the Fight Colorectal Cancer team. And today we're joined by John, who is uh, has FAP and is here to share a little bit about his story. So, hi, John. Welcome. Hi. I thought it would be interesting if you could start by sharing your story, um, maybe explaining a little bit about what FAP is and um, kind of how you found out that, that you have it. Okay. First off, FAP is a genetic mutation that some people have. It, the mutation keeps your body from hindering polyps from growing, like in your colon. Um, and these polyps are pretty much 100% likely to turn, to turn to cancerous polyps if left unnoticed by the time you're like 40. So I didn't know I had FAP. Um, I was... I had some issues in my late 20s where I noticed a little bit of blood in my stool and I finally went to, I wasn't really seeing a doctor at all. I was kind of ignoring my health and I went to a doctor at 30 and he asked me if I had a history of colon cancer in my family and I said no and he kind of chalked, he kind of scoffed it off just saying that I had hemorrhoids. He did a, did a quick exam and it was embarrassing and so I just kind of went off saying everything's fine, nothing's wrong with me. Later, at the age of 36, six years later, um, I had the stomach flu and I wasn't feeling good. Um, so I, I went to the doctor. I went to a new doctor, and he wanted to do blood work and a physical. and And I showed up slightly anemic on that blood test. Um, so he sent me to do some other tests, <clears throat> like an upper. He sent me to do an upper GI series where you drink some barium and they do X-rays, and he didn't see anything. And then he sent me the do like a lower series, um, and they saw a lot of shadows in my colon. So then they sent me to do a colonoscopy, and in the colonoscopy they found thousands of polyps in my colon, and and actually they found two cancerous tumors in my colon. So John, b- between the time of your first um, when your first medical visit and then this follow up time, were you continuing to have signs and symptoms? Yeah, and I was kind of using that one doctor's, you're okay, it's just hemorrhoids as kind of an excuse. But mm-hmm. I think I kind of knew in the back of my mind something was wrong, and I, I think it's important for people to kind of be their own health advocate. And if something isn't right, you've, you've got to you've got to go and have it taken care of. You've got to ask doctors questions. You've got to, you got to get them to do things. You can't, just, you can't just ignore it, you know, because you're worried about a test or something. And that's kind of how I was before all this. Right. And so FAP um, stands for familial adenomatous polyposis. And um, about 7% of people with FAP are diagnosed with colorectal cancer by the time they're 21. And it, it sounds like about 95% by the age of 50s. So, 
yeah, so I had cancer and I had to make some quick decisions. So I, I had a good GI doctor and he connected me with a really great um, surgeon who I met with pretty much immediately. And within a week, I was in the hospital having my colon removed. Um, and they were doing the surgery laparoscopically, so they basically removed the whole colon. The, there's a few different surgery, a couple different surgery options that people choose. Um, I chose to keep my rectum and have the colon removed, and they attached the small intestine back to the rectum, so everything kind of flows as it did originally. The main thing is keeping the rectum. Some people choose to remove all that and get a J pouch, and I just wanted the kind of the less invasive surgery. So that's the path I took. So they did the surgery, <clears throat> excuse me, laparoscopically. And after about a week in the hospital, I wasn't recovering well. <clears throat> I had, um, I was really distended and I wasn't feeling good. And I <clears throat> sort of um, vomited a lot of bile up and then they knew something was wrong. Um, when you have surgery, your your small intestine goes to sleep and mine wasn't coming back online. It, they're supposed to, it's supposed to just start up after a few days and mine wasn't. So they went and did some tests and found out that I had a leak where they had reconnected the small intestine to the rectum. And so I had to have another quick open surgery at that point where they kind of closed everything off and gave me a, a temporary ileostomy. So they did that surgery. So basically two surgeries in about 10 days. And I was out of the hospital after 11 days, lost about 25 pounds, no eating and was ready to start chemo for the, for the cancer that I was diagnosed with about a month after that. Wow. What a um, whirlwind of a time for you. That sounds like a lot in a short amount of t really short amount of time. It was. I, we know that this is a, a genetic, a genetic syndrome. And you had mentioned that there was no other colon or rectal cancer in your family. What about FAP? Now that you've found out that you have it, is there still no, no familial history here? Right. There doesn't appear to be any history. It, and, a, and a small percentage of people, it mutates I, in you. So it's a, apparently with me, it's a new mutation in me that I have to have, like my kids tested for. My mutation is kind of unique. I think we're going to get into the, talking about genetic counselors, but my mutation is a little unique because I'm undetectable. I don't, I don't show any of the current known defects for FAP. I have two kids. They're 16 and 13. They've both been scoped once. No signs of any polyps at this point, so that's that's a good thing. Um, it's not a 100% certainty at this point because they're too young, but um, you know, if they start getting in their early 20s and there's still no polyps, it's probably a pretty good sign that they don't have FAP. I struggle with the thought of one of them getting this and having to go through the surgeries. Like, I think I pretty much just told myself it's not going to happen and I'll deal with it when it does. But that's that's something that I just, you know, really don't want to have to deal with because I think I would feel bad, you know, that I gave this to them. But yeah, it's not something we really control either. So right, right. Were were your children uh, born prior to your diagnosis? I had a two-year-old when I was diagnosed, and another one was on the way. So I, I conceived both of them without knowing about this, but it was, it was yeah. definitely a try, trying time with a baby on the way and going through chemo while he was born and stuff like that. Wow. Okay. So at what point did you meet with a genetic counselor, and how was your experience with them? So I met with a genetic counselor. It was it was in the first year or somewhere in there, maybe after I finished chemo or maybe before. I'm not sure. But the 
I strongly believe in genetic counselors. I, I'm a researcher. Like I dig in and learn everything. So by the time I went to a genetic counselor, I knew basically everything they were telling me. But I didn't know about the genetic test, so they they helped facilitate the genetic testing, and then I learned that that I don't test positive for the genetic defects. The, the advantages of testing positive for the genetic defects is then other people in your family, like your children or your parents or brothers or sisters, can just get a simple blood test as well to see if they have the same genetic mutation. If, because I don't test positive for that genetic test, my children, for example, need to be scoped rather than having a blood test. So it's a little more involved. The gene that's affected typically is the APC gene, but you're saying that they're not seeing any mutation in that gene? They're not, right. There's there's okay. also a, a more rare mutation called the MYH, which is, which is recessive, and I don't test positive for either one. I should step back and just say that I highly recommend that anyone diagnosed go to a genetic counselor because they can help you understand the whole family tree and the, the connections, and it can save lives. It can help figure out who needs to be tested within the family and, and such. So it's, it's, it's really useful. Yeah. So it is estimated that a quarter of people with FAP are de novo, which it's called, and that means that there's no family history. So, I mean, really small subset of people, and if you don't have a family history, it can be I imagine hard to to know to go in. I mean, your story is really really fascinating. Super rare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of follow up screening for you, what does that entail? So I go yearly, and um, they basically knock me out, and I get an upper and a lower scope. They have to do the upper scope because it's important to look at the duodenum area for polyps and stuff because those can lead to other issues like pancreatic cancer and stuff. And, and the lower scope's pretty quick because all they really have is my rectum. So they just make sure no polyps are growing in that area. So do you still have to go through all the um, the prep and all of that? That's the plus side. All I do is clear liquids. And then a, a couple quick fleet enemas the morning of, so you don't have to drink. I personally don't have to drink any of the preps because my digestive tract clears out much more easily just with clear liquids. And how has living with FAP affected you and kind of shaped who you are today? I mean, I know you were diagnosed at, as a young adult. So since that time, how has your life changed? So I don't think I ever really understood that saying, at least you have your health. Like that, that didn't mean a whole lot to me, but it sure did after going through surgeries and chemo and such. Um, it kind of, you know, after I kind of recovered from all those surgeries and such, I kind of like took charge of my life a little bit. I was, I was getting pretty heavy before I was diagnosed and wasn't exercising that much. And then about two years after, or about a year and a half after all this, I started mountain biking again, but more, more than I had before. And I kind of ended up challenging myself more and riding with some friends and started racing. I raced for about 10 years and I, I still do that a lot. It, it, it kind of forced me, I think, I think knowing that I was sick and I could get sick again, it kind of forced me to challenge myself a little bit, you know, lose the weight and keep pushing myself as a way to prove to myself that I'm healthy and that I'm not getting sick again as a way of testing myself and just trying to stay as healthy as possible. So what do you think is important for people to know about FAP? Um, it's super rare. It's a genetic condition. I mean, I think it's really important that families talk about it. I, I think with colon cancer in general, 
you know, some people are kind of embarrassed by it or afraid to talk about it. And I've heard cases where people find out, you know, they have colon cancer and didn't know that their parent or grandparent had had FAP, in fact. So, you know, you got to know your family history, um, kind of just kind of know what type of symptoms to look for. I mean, sometimes there are no symptoms. I mean, I had thousands of polyps and I only saw a little bit of blood in my stool. So you can imagine um, it's easy for there not to be symptoms. But if you do see blood in your stool, it's not normal and you need to go to a doctor. And if it doesn't, things don't feel right, you need to push for further testing. You know, you mentioned earlier um, when you had first gone in to the doctor um, in your early 30s that the test was uncomfortable and you, um, so you didn't want to go back and just took the doctor's word, um, which a lot of people do. I mean, these are our doctors and, and we, we trust them. What would you tell someone who's of screening age and are avoiding the colonoscopy because it's an uncomfortable procedure and there's a doctor at their rectum? You know, what, what kind of things would you tell them? Yeah, I think it's kind of silly when people are afraid of colonoscopies because it's such an easy procedure and it's such a useful procedure. I mean, there's the prep, but the good thing about prep is you end up losing a couple pounds. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah, the procedure itself, they basically knock you out. So it's it's a piece of cake. And the thing with colon cancers, it's so, in you know, FAP, colon cancers, it's so easy to prevent. You know, that little polyp starts growing and it's not going to turn to cancer until it gets big. So they snip it off and you're done. You know, it's it's just the regular screening. That's the way I look at it for myself. As long as I get regular screening, I'm less likely to get cancer than someone someone else who doesn't have FAP and has a less genetic predisposition to it. Yeah. I believe you were in the colander uh, model, the um, calendar. Is that correct? Yes. How did that come about? Um. I got really involved in kind of colon cancer online forums and things like that. So I was I was pretty active, kind of just reaching out, talking to people, helping people newly diagnosed. And um, the colon club, I, I think I applied one year and then they reached out to me. I didn't make it in that year. And then they reached out to me the next year and wanted me in the in the calendar. So that was a really, a really great experience. Got to meet a lot of people. They fly you out, you do a photo shoot, and you meet a lot of other survivors, and you kind of stay connected. Well, did you feel like that was an empowering time for you to get connected with other survivors? And, and were there other FAP patients or, or just yourself? They try to mix it up. So generally, there would only be one FAP person, and I was the only one. Um, there have been others on other years. Um, but yeah, just super amazing to be able to talk to people and share your story and hear their stories because... You know, it's it's not that easy to, and this is all people under fifty. You know, I was thirty six, so um, to try to find something local that that has that type of experience is pretty much impossible. I, I went to some meetings, and everybody's much older, and it just wasn't the same experience to be able to talk to people in similar place in life, going through similar things was was pretty amazing. Um, and what kinds of tips can you offer to other people that are newly diagnosed with FAP, whether or not they're um, younger or you know in their in their adulthood yeah I'd kind of say like take it one step at a time um, you know you can reach out to people that are knowledgeable there's different resources learn what you can um, you need to find a really good doctor a GI doctor you need to start figuring out surgery options I mean some people are diagnosed early enough that that surgery might be put off for a little bit but you need to really think about that because the colon is kind of the ticking time bomb for people with FAP because 
it's just difficult for a GI doctor to, you know, when you start growing polyps, you know, if they're removing like 30 polyps a year, it can be a little bit difficult to manage. So make smart decisions, look at surgery options, and, and just talk to other people so you can make informed decisions. Are there resources that you know of that could help support folks and their families? The biggest resource that I've always used is, is just the people that are diagnosed. And, you know, there's, there's lots of, um, or there's a few good FAP forums, like on Facebook, for example, and there's, there's other, there's other groups and there's obviously the big hospitals have lots of information that you can read online and stuff like that. But, but talking to, talking to the people and getting firsthand experience sometimes is pretty useful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, for sharing your story. Is there, you have any final comments? For the listeners out there? Just, I hope you don't get diagnosed with FAP, but if you do, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, it's just another condition. You deal with it and you move on, get stronger from it. Thanks for tuning in. Please remember that this information is for educational purposes only and all medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. For more resources, visit us on the web at fightcolorectalcancer.org.